Good morning, everybody. Nice to see you all. How are you? Good. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. It's not hot yet, but it will be. All right. Would you like to sit down? Okay. Make it so. All right. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm glad you're here today. We're going to have a great time talking through Scripture, I think, and talking about this theme that we've been in, we've been looking at this summer. It's the theme of finding meaning in life. Everybody asks questions in life about what does this mean? What does that mean? How do I find meaning in my life? And people look for it in all different ways and in, in all different kinds of places. And uh, some people find meaning. Some people never seem to find meaning in their life. Uh, this last week, our high school kids uh, went away to camp out. They go to camp out every year up in the mountains. And they took a video and they, sh- they kind of prepared it so we would understand how high school students find meaning in life. Yeah. <laughs> How to find meaning on a blob. Love that. That's fantastic. So, okay, so we're talking about finding meaning. How many of you want to sign up for the blob right now? Yeah, go see Doug Rouse. He'll set you up for a summer camp out next year. You'll love it. Uh, no, so we're, so we're talking about that and trying to figure out how do we find meaning, what's it like. We spent the last few weekends talking about it. We've got a couple more after this weekend. We're moving more and more in a direction, so don't miss the next couple of weekends because they're sort of going to bring this whole search of, for meaning to a climax. But today I want to talk through a little bit more about where we are in the middle of the search and what we're looking for. And uh, for me, unfortunately, we're coming to this part of the series, this part of the journey in the middle of July. How many of you, your favorite month is July? We have counselors for people like you. <laughs> Man, I, I just don't get it. I'm, I'm like, life stops at the end of May and starts again middle of September in my per- perspective. Man. Oh, teachers. Yeah, oh, t- teachers like July. Oh, oh, well, okay, that makes sense. I take back my therapy co- comments. and that's a, Yeah, that, that, that makes sense to me. So, no, I just don't get it. It's hot. You know, July is just hot. That's, all, that's the only thing that's characterized by July. Hot. And, you know, things happen in July. It's like, this is how life seems to go in July for me. Uh, Sleep, eat, heat, repeat. (laughs) 
And I'm, not a, I'm, I'm a fan of some of those, but not all of those things, you know. And, uh, and that's kind of how it goes. And sometimes when you get into life, and I think per, for me, particularly in July, maybe for some of you it's different times of the year, but I get into that and it's like that repeat cycle just keeps going and going and going. After a while I go, well, is this all there is? Is 106 all there is and all there ever shall be? And it just, it just wears on me. And sometimes life does that for us. Sometimes just the routines of life just sort of wear us down. And in the routines of life, you sort of lose track of where meaning comes from. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're raising children, you know, what, what's life? Sleep, get out of bed, eat. Kids, don't eat kids, but like something with kids and then work and then kids and then eat and then go back to bed. Repeat. You, you got a job, you go to work every day, it's like sleep, eat, work, repeat. That sort of becomes the, the, the way that life works for us in some times and some seasons for us. And then we end up asking, is that all there is? And you can be in any spot in your life and ask the question, is that all there is? And you can go through a thousand scenarios where you might be asking that kind of a question, is that all there is? Sometimes we make fun of it, because sometimes, sometimes we, we look at that and go, okay, I, I know where meaning comes from in my life, and so we put it on a t-shirt. I don't, do you guys know the, uh, the shampoo algorithm? Do you know that? I, I've always known it, but I didn't know it was an algorithm. I'm, I'm like, I've never understood algorithms, and now all of a sudden I know what an algorithm is. Here's the shampoo algorithm. Lather, rinse, repeat. Yeah, you, you, you know that one? Do, do you know you don't have to wash your hair twice to get it clean? Do you know who designed that whole deal, lather, rinse, repeat? It was not the scientists who developed shampoo. You know who it was? Marketers. Yeah, why? Because if you repeat, then you sell twice as much shampoo. So anyway, people picked up on that and they go, oh, well, that's, that's just kind of a model for life. That's just sort of how we find meaning in life. Then we put it on a t-shirt, which looks something like this. Brunch, nap, repeat. Mm-hmm. Or like this. Or this. Or this. Or this. <laughs> and, 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 and that's what life means. For some of us, we get in a cycle, we just keep going, and we go, and we go, and we go, well, that's what life means. And we can make fun of it when we put it on a T-shirt, but when it's not on a t-shirt and it's just a question that we're asking, then it can become painful trying to figure out what in the world does this life mean. And sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's not as funny. If you have your Bible, why don't you open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3 today. Uh, we're a, we, we love the Bible here at Lakeside. We believe the Bible teaches us. It's God's word to us. And so we try and open it up every week. So if you have a Bible, bring it with you. And if you have it today, open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3. You can find it on your smartphone as well on the YouVersion Bible app, so you can follow along there if you like. Uh, 2 Timothy, chapter 3, starting at verse 1. This is written by the Apostle Paul to his young friend Timothy, who was a pastor of a church in the town of Ephesus. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, and not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. 
Paul wrote that 2,000 years ago. And it looks like it could be the editorial page of our current newspaper. I mean, we clearly see all around us people are lovers of themselves. We've talked about that in this series. Lovers of money, we've talked about that. Boastful, arrogant, proud, not lovers of the good. He goes, watch out for that. That's coming in our world, and it's here in our world these days. And people try and find meaning through all those things, but they lead them away from true meaning. So that was written by the Apostle Paul. There was another apostle named Peter who also had something to say about this and about what the end times would look like and where people would be searching for meaning. So turn over to 2 Peter chapter 3. It's toward the back of your Bible from 2 Timothy. 2 Peter chapter 3, and Peter's writing a letter not to one specific person, but to the whole church at large. And so here's what Peter writes, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. He says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where's this coming, he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. He goes, look out, in your world, in your time, scoffers will come, mockers will come, and they will mock Christ. Their story will be about Christ didn't do what he promised to do. They go, he promised he'd come back. It's been 2,000 years and he hasn't come back. Where's the promise of his coming? It's all going on the same as it always has, they say. Peter says, watch out for the mockers as they come. Verse 5. He says, but they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. He says the mockers deliberately forget God. The mockers deliberately forget the things that God has done. We are surrounded by people who deliberately forget what God has done. It's easy to look past those things, and so they look past those things to other things that they want to focus on, but they forget God. And in the process, he says to us, don't forget this, that God has a different perspective on the world than you have. God has a different take on time and on life and on things in this world than you and I have. He says, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years thousand years like one day he sees it differently than we do he says don't forget god's perspective as you look forward to the day of christ's appearing and as god looks forward to that he says he's patient he doesn't want anyone to perish he doesn't want anyone to be judged he wants everyone to come to repentance and redemption 
Redemption's his mission, like to redeem us, to bring us back. That's his mission. It's what he wants for every one of us in this world. And he says, keep those things in mind as you see God's day approaching and as you speed its coming. And I get to that part and I go, throw it sideways. What? We get to speed its coming? We get to speed up the day of the Lord's coming? How do we do that? How do I get to engage in that? Well, it comes when I learn to understand God's meaning that he puts on my life, when I learn to understand God's meaning that he puts on this world. And part of the meaning that God puts on this world is he wants to bring it to redemption. He wants to bring everyone to repentance, to turn toward him. And it brings brings us to this thing that he calls redemption. Now, at the end of that letter, Peter makes this statement. He goes, here's how you move towards speeding the day of Christ and his coming. Verse 18, he says this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Move, move toward redemption, move toward God's grace. Some of us on our team, our staff recently have been reading a book called The Rise of the Nuns. Uh, not nuns like in a convent, not N-U-N-S, but nuns. Like, like when they do a survey and they say, what's your religious affiliation? Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, you know, Muslim, whatever. And the bottom one is none. And the, the idea of the book is there's a rise of the nuns. There's more people in our culture that will now say, I don't affiliate with any religion. And in his book called The Rise of the Nuns, James Henry White makes this statement about what God is doing in this world. He says, truth, goodness, and beauty have been called the three fundamental values because the worth of anything can be exhaustively judged by reference to these three standards, truth, goodness, and beauty. Everything that is, is related to whether it is true or false, good or evil, beautiful or ugly. And I think when you sit down and you go, okay, I know God wants to move people toward repentance. I know he wants to move them toward, he wants to move us toward redemption. What's that going to look like? Well, at least part of what it's going to look like is beauty, goodness, and truth. When you see beauty, goodness, and truth, you see God working toward redemption of this world. And he wants us to be engaged in that. And as we are, we, we move, we speed the day of his coming. Every time we look at beauty, goodness, and truth, we see glimpses of the grace of God. Every time you see something that's beautiful, good, or true, you see a glimpse of God's grace. What if we put our energy into that? What if we said, that's what life means? That's part of what life means, seeking God's redemption, seeking how it uh, rolls out in beauty, goodness, and truth. How would that influence our world? I want you to see a couple of scriptures that sort of bring a recipe for that, building beauty, goodness, and truth into our lives. If you have your Bible out, still uh, turn over to the first page. This is the easiest, you know, like, where's Second Peter in the Bible? I don't know. Just, let me, this is the easiest one to find. Go to page one in the Bible. I want to read for you a song that forms the first chapter of the Bible. And I want to read this song to you. You're going to, hear, you're going to hear familiar things in this song, but I want to read this song to you, and I want you to be thinking as I read this song with you, I want you to be thinking of beauty, goodness, and truth. 
and then we'll talk about what God presents to us here. Here's Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning. The second day. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and, to let, them, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that that was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, over all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They'll be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made. And it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. 
the sixth day. In the beginning, two things characterized the earth that God had made. The earth was formless and it was empty. When God made it, it was formless and it was empty. Now, you don't have to remember this, but I think it's kind of fun. The, the, the two Hebrew words for formless and empty are the words tohu and bohu. <laughs> Cousins. Tohu and bohu. Tohu means something that is formless. Without form, there's confusion and there's chaos. So when God created the earth, there was chaos. There was confusion in it. Tohu. And the next word is bohu, which means emptiness or unoccupied. There's nothing in it. There's nothing about it. There's nothing to, to signify what's going on with it. It's empty. It's tohu and bohu. And he says the world that is tohu and bohu is futile. There's no point to it. There's no meaning in it. That's what tohu and bohu implied. There's no meaning in it. When God created the world, there was no meaning in it. And now we can fast forward into the New Testament and we can say with a, a world without Jesus is still futile. It's empty of meaning. It's dark. It's tohu and bohu. You look around today and you go, wow, the, 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 that's a good description of our world, isn't it? Tohu and bohu. You, when you see stuff going around social media and you go, man, it's ugly and it's lies and it's not beautiful. Go, tohu and bohu. Hashtag tohu bohu. <laughs> Politics is tohu and bohu. There's no meaning in it. It's empty. It's unoccupied. It's formless. Sometimes marriages get to be like that. Don't, don't, don't hit your spouse if you're sitting next to you. Don't, don't look at them and go, tohu and bohu. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Tohu and bohu. No, don't. <laughs> don't go there. But you may feel like you're down there in here. Sometimes raising children can be like that, especially when they're not in school. <laughs> tohu and bohu all day long. Sometimes work can be like that, formless and empty, tohu and bohu all the time. And then you go, is that all there is? Is that what life means? Is it just going to be formless and empty all the time? But go back to Genesis 1 and realize that God didn't leave the world that way. First thing God did after he created the world and it was formless and empty, it was tohu and bohu, first thing that happened was what? God said, that was weak. God said, yeah, let there be light. God's like, let there be light. And it was so. There was light. And immediately you find God going, that's good. I like that. See, every time light comes into life, life begins to have meaning. When a life is in the dark, it has no meaning. It has no purpose. It has no fulfillment. But when light comes into a life, the life begins to have meaning. God says, let there be light, and there's light, and God says, it's good, and there was day and night, and he separated the light, and now there's 
a.m. and p.m., evening and morning, and there's the first day. And that pattern goes on for six days of creation, six verses of creation. And in the midst of creation, God built in beauty, goodness, and truth. Beauty was in everything God made. Think back to creation. Beauty was in everything God made. The sky was beautiful. The land was beautiful. The vegetables were beautiful. The lights, the fish, the animals, even the creepy crawlers were beautiful. And the human beings were beautiful. Everything God made had beauty when he designed it. Truth was also in everything God made. I love this part of that. I love the integrity of the truth of the things that God made. I love when it gets to day three and it says, and then after the dry ground appeared, then vegetation appeared on the earth. And there was a pattern to the vegetation. There was DNA built into the vegetation so that the vegetation this year looked like the vegetation last year. And that same vegetation would look like that vegetation next year. It would be the same. Why? Because God built integrity into the system. There's DNA built into the system. There's truth built into the system. My wife and I did a little experiment with that this year. We didn't really think it was an experiment at the time, but, but it was. So we've been working on our yard. You know we've been working on our yard. If you're, if you're hanging with us very much, you're like, you're working on your yard all the time, and it's all you ever talk about besides your grandson. And so, uh, so we, we've been working on the yard, and I've, I kind of realized recently everything in my yard now has a name. We have the porch, and we have the fire pit, and we have the horseshoe pit, and we have the garden boxes, you know, got all, the, all these things. And I, I said to Donna recently, we had this plot in our backyard. It's about 10 feet by 20 feet. I'm like, that should be a melon patch. (laughs) And I I don't remember if we've ever grown melons or had a melon patch before any place we've lived. So we we put up these three little mounds and we got these little tiny plants, like a stick and a leaf. That's all each plant was. They looked identical, three different plants. But they had a little name tag in the dirt next to the stick with the leaf. And on one, the name tag said watermelon. The next one, the, the name tag said cantaloupe. And the next one, the name tag said pumpkin. And we put each of those little sticks with a leaf in a mound in the, in the midst of the, what would be a melon patch. And you know what happened? It was a miracle. It was a miracle of science. That thing that said watermelon grew watermelons, like big ones, like, yeah, that's my melon patch. Because, yeah, not me. God, we, we, we got three little sticks with a leaf. We put some drip system on it. That's all we did. God made it go boom. And you know what's true about those watermelons? They're like watermelons. I mean, they look just like watermelons. And you know what's going to happen? When we cut that first one open and we you know, split it in half, you know what's going to be on the inside? Watermelon. Red watermelon with black seeds. Unless we've got a seed list. I don't, I don't know about that. So, but but it's, it's going to be a watermelon. Gonna, we already have one of the cantaloupes. Just tasted like a cantaloupe. Such a weird thing. Didn't have a hint of lemon. I got a pumpkin that's already this big. I'm going for the world's record not but you know what you know why all that stuff's true is because truth was in everything god made i i i I 
don't like it, but I laugh sometimes when I hear about the conflict between scientists and Christ followers. And how sometimes they don't get along because they think, you know, science is not about faith and faith is not about science. And I'm like, everything about creation makes science possible. The fact that God created natural laws and they have truth in those laws makes science possible. We're able to study because God built truth into his creation. Beauty, goodness, and truth. And as you go through those days of creation, every single day, God goes, it was good, it was good, it was good. And when he gets to the end of the whole journey, he goes, it's very good. Beauty, goodness, and truth. What is God doing in the world? Beauty, goodness, and truth. When he brings redemption through Christ into a person's life, what he's looking for is beauty, goodness, and truth. And not all life is going to have beauty, goodness, and truth every day. Not even every Christ-following life is going to have beauty, goodness, and truth every day. But in everything that God brings, he wants to move us from tohu and bohu to beauty, goodness, and truth. And he's the only one who has the power to make it happen. Now, that's what God is doing in creation. But let's make it more personal. Let's get down to us and go, well, let's talk about where we are in this whole part of the journey. So, again, turn over in your Bible to Luke chapter 6. We're back over in the New Testament toward the end of the Bible. Luke chapter 6. Here's a teaching from Jesus to his followers. And here's how he pulls that forward, that whole idea forward. Luke 6, verse 43. He says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good person brings good out of the good that is stored in their heart. What comes out of your heart reflects what's going on inside. So that truth comes out of us. Integrity comes out of us. So that God's goal and God, the way that God designed us is we are built with integrity. And so if there's evil stored up in our heart, evil's going to come out of our life. If there's good stored up in our heart, good's going to come out of our life. Just like you plant a watermelon plant, a watermelon's going to come out of that plant. What good is coming out of your heart these days? What do you find coming out of your heart these days? If good is stored in here, good comes out here. If good is not stored in here, what is stored in here comes out. What are you storing up in your heart? What's coming out of your heart that shows redemption? What's coming out of your heart that shows beauty, goodness, and truth? I love my friend John who... uh, led us in worship today. Uh, I love that on his Facebook page, he, he, almost every day, he writes, 10 great things that happened to me today. And I'm like, oh, that's such a great idea. You can find 10 great things that happened to you today. And I'm like, it's such a great idea. But John thought of it first, so I don't do it. 
I mean, that'd be like piggyback, like, oh, I got, I got 10 too. I'm trying to figure out a different way to, to let goodness come out in my social media expression. I mean, because social media, you, what comes out of it is what's stored up in your heart. It's not what's stored up in social media. It's neither good nor bad. What, it comes from here. What's stored up in your heart? What if, you, what if you took the ideas of beauty, goodness, and truth, and you said, I'm going to post something about beauty, goodness, or truth every day? And now I've given you that idea, and you may take it, and I haven't done it yet, and so then I'll have to find another way to do it. But I'm, give, I'm, here, I'm giving you a head start. I'm busy till afternoon today. What are you going to do with that? I like to post on my Facebook page, I like to post pictures of things that I think God has created, beautiful things, things where I go, look, this expresses beauty, goodness, and truth, like Yosemite. I mean, that, there's nothing that expresses God's beauty and goodness and truth more, I think, than Yosemite. There's maybe other things that tie or something, but I don't know, that's, that's like so beautiful. And I, so I love, I don't know why I love taking pictures in the rearview mirror, uh, and I wasn't driving, I'm sure I was parked at the time that that picture was happening. <laughs> But that's beautiful. I love posting pictures of beautiful things that people have made, but they've used God's natural law to be able to design it and build it. Things like the Golden Gate Bridge. And to be able to stand on the Marin headlands and look back to the city that people have built that is beautiful and go, they built that using principles that God created in the beginning. Or I love to post. I love to post things. My daughter won't let me, but I love to post things when they're like the, kind of a, a teamwork between God and people, and God creates, and people get to create like things like my grandson. <laughs> or my next grandson. There it is. <laughs> Okay, I don't know if that's a boy or a girl yet, but it's a, it's a grandbaby, and, and uh, he or she is coming on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, I'll be busy. <laughs> that's going to be fantastic. But see, that stuff that God created the design, then we get to create with him, and all those things are beautiful. They're filled with beauty, goodness, and truth. What if you built into your life, and you let these things flow out of your life, beauty, goodness, and truth? Like my friend Ed, who's working on homeless ministries in Folsom, inviting us into that process. Like my friend Christine, who's working on developing the, the Folsom Community Service Day projects, where 2,000 of us will gather together to say, let's serve our neighbors and make our place better. Like my friend Robin, who works in the Twin Lakes Food Bank, and she cares for the people that have need for food there. And every time they do that, they pour out of their life, out of the good, redemptive places of their life, they pour out beauty, goodness, and truth. What's the most beautiful thing you've seen this week? A thing, an act, an engagement? What's the most beautiful thing you've seen in the last 24 hours? Did you call attention to it? Or could you call attention to it? What's the, what's the place of the best goodness you've seen in the last week or the last 24 hours? What have you seen that is true in the last day? See, God is working in us to create meaning through our lives as we bring redemption to this world through Christ. And we focus on that which is beautiful, good, and true. And then every time we do, we honor Christ. And every time we do, we live a life of meaning.
Jesus, I pray for us in this. Pray, Lord, for everyone among us. There are probably some among us who have not yet chosen to follow you. They, ha- they haven't locked in their life to say, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. And Lord, maybe those people even this morning are searching for meaning and trying to find it here with you. And so I pray for them that they would uh, be able to come to a place where they go, oh, Jesus, you're the one. You're the one who opens this all up to me. And they will choose to follow you by faith. Maybe today's their day. Lord, for, for so many of us, we choose to follow you. We've accepted your redemption. We've accepted your forgiveness. And we've accepted the fact that you want to build beauty, goodness, and truth into our lives. And so today, change us and shape us and move us toward that redemption that you have for us. And may we speed your coming as we join with you in that redemptive process. Lord, thank you. We love you so much for what you're doing in us. We're so grateful for what you're doing in us and through us and among us. So thank you for all those things. Lord, we have an offering to give to you today because we love you, because we want to worship you. So receive our offering, but more than that, receive our hearts and move us on your path toward meaning. Jesus, thank you. Amen.